Petrangelo shoots, save, rebound, score! Nicholas Waugh ties it! Rebound goal for Nick Waugh! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. A steal for Colasar, charging out. Colasar, the right, he shoots and scores! Colasar on the breakaway! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your home for access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas, Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Woo! Boy, oh boy, it is a Thursday. It doesn't even feel like a Thursday, quite frankly, but we still have a lot to get to here on the VGK Insider Show. We're going to dig into some news and notes from not just the optional skate today, but really what we expect to see from the Golden Knights on Saturday. Also, I'm throwing around a question, not just here to to Chris Chapman, but to everybody that's listening. So you can find us on X, at RyanHockeyGuy, at Magnum702, at Fox Sports LV. And it's this kind of overarching concept of Jonathan Marchessault, Nick Waugh, and Ivan Barbashev. That line has played 11 games together. 11 games together. And I'm going to dig into the numbers for each individual player. What Nick Waugh's done, what Jonathan Marcheseau's done, what Ivan Barbashev has done in that time that they have been together as a trio. And I'm going to ask the question, have they done enough or should they be kept together based on what they've done so far when everybody's healthy? Meaning, when Jack Eichel's back in the fold. When Jack Eichel is healthy and available and ready to go, is what Nick Waugh's doing right now enough to have you look at some different options when Eichel's healthy and available? I'm not saying that it is or it isn't. I am going to throw some facts out there. I'm going to give some statistics, and we're going to have a discussion about that. (laughs) We've also got more backlash, more opinions, kind of, permeating from the hockey world about slap shots and hurt feelings. I want to get into that. Obviously, I'm talking about Ridley Gregg and Morgan Riley. we got one-timers, Connor Bedard. Looks like he's going to return ahead of schedule. Didn't see that coming. And then some changes in Columbus in one-timers in hour number two. And we're also going to do something really fun in hour number two as well. We're going to do power rankings from contender to pretender. We're going to take All the teams right now in this moment that are in a playoff spot, Eastern Conference, Western Conference, and we're going to rank them from most likely to win the conference throughout the playoffs to least likely, the team we believe in the least, the pretenders of those bunches. So that's what we got going on today. Chris Chapman, how you doing, buddy? I am doing really good, Ryan. Uh, Looking forward to today. Um (laughs) <laughs> gonna gonna be gonna be a fun show because like we were talking about it before before we got started yeah about the possibilities of what Bruce Cassidy can do once Jack Eichel comes back and mm-hmm. once William Carrier uh, we don't have a timeline obviously on either of those guys but once they come back um, we do know that Tobias Bjornfoot is uh, on his way to Henderson for conditioning stint mm-hmm. so he will not to figure into the lineup at least for the foreseeable future so but with Guys like Daniil Miramanoff now in the fold. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and, and this team getting healthier, we, we, we do expect Shea Theodore probably sometime in the next week or 10 days, yeah. hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one more Lego on the set for Bruce Cassidy to be able to play with. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's exciting. So we were talking about it before the show and, and just what 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 are we going to see mm-hmm. from Bruce Cassidy when it comes to his centers? Because you have a situation where Nick Waugh has proven, I think, I think beyond a reasonable doubt that he is not a fourth line center. Like he should not be buried on the fourth line. And that's no, not a, no, hold on, that's hold on, not hold a on. knock. That's not a <laughs> knock to, let to, me, let me ask you this question though. Did you need to see this no. in order to believe that? Because no, but I the think the strength of this team last year, right? The reason that they won a Stanley cup. Yeah. You got a great stretch from Jack Eichel and, and Ivan Barbashev and Jonathan Marcheseau, but you also had the best fourth line in hockey with Nick Waugh down the middle. And that's kind of the strength of the team, right? Yes, it, it it really is. But the center depth, despite the fact that outside of Jack Eichel, like they don't have a lot of superstar players. They have a lot of really good players. Mm-hmm. And I think you need a lot of really good players to win a Stanley Cup. And the Golden Knights proved that last year. But the depth of this team over other teams in the Western Conference and the NHL is ultimately what helped them win the Stanley Cup because – Guys like Michael Amadio chipped in. Guys like Brett Howden had had big postseasons. Um, obviously, you 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 had the performances by your star players like Alex Petrangelo, Jack mm-hmm. Eichel, Mark Stone that that helped elevate you. And of course, Conn Smythe winner Jonathan Marchessault. But there's not a lot of weaknesses in this team. And I know Vancouver has a decent points lead, but I mean we'll get into it a little bit, but. I think I know who I would pick in that series. I think I think I know who I'm picking in every series yeah. in the Western Conference. Yes. And I, and like honestly, I in in kind of figuring that out, not much has changed in my opinion. Yeah. Based like standings being what they are, like not much has really changed in terms of how I view the teams, more so in the Western Conference than the Eastern Conference. But we're gonna get to that. Uh so let's start off with some of the news, right? Obviously. Earlier today, Brendan Brisson reassigned to the Henderson Silver Knights. Byron Fraze recalled. So Byron Fraze, I'm I'm expecting to see. I'm expecting him to play on Saturday when the Golden Knights take on the Carolina Hurricanes. As you mentioned, Tobias Bjornfoot, he is on an LTI, so long-term injury conditioning stint with the Henderson Silver Knights. So uh, Bjornfoot continues to progress in the right direction, continues to kind of go through his protocol to return to the lineup for the Golden Knights. So with Brisson coming out, right, with Brisson not being with the team at this moment and Frey's coming back in, it leads me to believe that we're going to see a little bit of of a different look from the Golden Knights when they hit the ice on Saturday against Carolina. And to, to be completely fair, I think they need a different look. Because you've got a team in Carolina that, as Bruce Cassidy has mentioned a couple of times, it's like a full-court press. They go man-to-man. They're an incredibly fast team. And if you are not on your game, if you are not competing and executing at an elite level, it's incredibly difficult to keep up with Carolina Hurricanes. It's like taking on too much water. You can never, ever, ever get to a baseline. So having said that, what are your expectations for the Golden Knights in terms of their lineup? Because more than anything, I think what you're going to see from Vegas on Saturday is a more veteran-heavy defensive-minded 
top three lines from this team? Well, I, I, I don't see any change with the Wah Barbashev. That stays the same. That's yeah, going to stay, gonna the, stay same. the same. And then we're talking Stone. So what you had the last game against the Minnesota Wild, because of illness, Paul Cotter didn't play. Yeah. So up top you had Michael Amadio alongside Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone. I thought Amadio was fine. But again, that's not the same as Paul Cotter alongside Stevenson and Stone, and certainly not the same as even a Brett Howden alongside Stevenson and Stone. So you had Amadio in that spot, and then you had William Carlson on your third line playing with Brendan Brisson and Sheldon Rempel. And, and so that, to me, is kind of where you're going to see the biggest changes. My guess here with Byron Fraze coming in is that Byron Fraze can play down the middle on your fourth line, and you're not going to lose much of anything having him in that spot. So your fourth line likely on Saturday, and this is just me kind of throwing it out there, reading into why I feel like you move Brisson down, you bring Fraze up. I'm thinking you go Ron Bjerg, Fraze, Kolasar on your fourth line because I think that that gives you everything that you're getting out of your fourth line right now. You can trust that. You can trust Byron Fraze to go out there, play the right way, be on the right side of the puck, and do for you what you need out of your fourth line. That gives you the flexibility and the option to do this. And I think this is incredibly important because as we get closer and closer to the postseason, I think you have to start viewing your, your lines from last year and seeing if they can kind of give you that magic again. And one of those lines is Brett Howden, Chandler Stevenson, and Mark Stone. That line was amazing for the Golden Knights. There were countless moments where Brett Howden chipped in with a, a timely goal. Chandler Stevenson chipped in with timely goals, big time play. And Mark Stone, like what more can you say about him in the postseason, right? So I think you're kind of getting to that point in the season where as you get healthier, you start to look at those old combinations and you wonder and you ask yourself, can they recapture it? Can they find it again? Howden has been with Stevenson and Stone at various times this year. It has not been as impactful as it was last year. I think this gives you an opportunity to reunite that line and see what they can give you. Yeah, I, I think it's worth a try at this point because you you got you got really good production out of, out of those guys in the postseason, which is what you mentioned. Mm -hmm. I think Brett Howden benefits by playing with guys like Mark Stone and and Chandler Stevenson. It's complimentary. I, yeah, he but. He's a responsible player. Like sure. he doesn't, he's not going to hurt that line in any way. Um, and every once in a while, he's able to chip in with with some some offense. Yeah. But you're not asking him to anchor the line. You're not asking him to be the star player on that line. You're just asking him to go out and do a job. And Brett Howden's really good at going out and doing the job that you ask him to do. And mm -hmm. he's versatile. Mm -hmm. You could play him in a variety of different spots on the ice, and. Chandler Stevenson, you know, I feel like he started to get going recently. He's in the right direction. You yeah. know, like, it was a slow start to the season for him. He dealt with some injuries. But now it seems like he's starting to get to what we've come to expect out of him. And, I mean, Mark Stone, what else do you say about Mark Stone? I mean, there's really not a whole lot to say. I mean, he's a captain for a reason. He's one of the best players in the league for a reason. He's, he's clearly one of your best players. Mm -hmm. So, you know what you're getting out of him. And I think... Trying to get – this is about the time of the season where you want to start really focusing on playing your best hockey. Building your game. And I feel like that's a line that that if it's successful, 
is only going to lead to good things for the Golden Knights. Well, I mean, it, it led to a Stanley Cup last yeah. year. So that's something that you have to, to take into account. So, again, Brisson going down, Frey's coming up. This is my educated guess as to what we're going to see either tomorrow in practice, if they do run some some line drills, or Saturday against Carolina. I think you're going to see Howden alongside Stevenson and Stone. You're not touching the wall line because it's been too good, and we'll get into some numbers in just a minute. And then I think you've got Cotter alongside Carlson and Amadio. Yeah. Carlson and Amadio have become that duo, right? Like we we talk about how coaches often think about their line combinations not as a grouping of three, but as a pairing of two. And then you can kind of move parts around interchangeably to kind of find the right combination. As as much as we have come to like understand William Carlson and, and Riley Smith or William Carlson and Jonathan March. So those players forever linked within this organization. I think right now, the best version that you get of Michael Amadio is Michael Amadio and William Carlson. I think that is a pair that is going to stay together. That's going to stick together no matter what things happen or transpire with this team getting healthy. Yeah. William Carlson was I mean, we, we talked about it again before he we went on the air, the season that he was yeah. having prior to the injury, and he, he was starting to put up some really good numbers. Um, and you're right. The the compliment, the I can't say the word. The the way that Michael Amadio plays alongside William Carlson is probably the best that we've seen of Michael Amadio. Mm-hmm. And what we also have seen out of Michael Amadio is, as his game progressive, he's become a lot better of a defensive forward mm-hmm. these past few seasons. It was evident the Edmonton game, and I think we need to see a little more of that out of Mike. I'm sure he wants to see a little bit more. Definitely Bruce Cassidy made alluded to the fact that he wanted to see more of it. Mm -hmm. So I think the best way you get that Michael Amadio is have him play alongside maybe your most responsible defensive forward on the the ice, and that being William Carlson. The the thing with Amadio, he's got a great stick. And and like oftentimes we talk about that, but when you think of Mark Stone, specifically in the neutral zone, specifically the skill set that he brings to the table. Mark Stone steals pucks that no one else can steal. Yeah, He can also knife pucks down in, the, in midair better than any player in the league that, that I've seen. Certainly any player that, that we see on a day-to-day basis. His, his hand-eye coordination yeah, it's unreal. is like, if he played baseball, he'd probably be a 350 hitter. Here's the thing, though. Watch Michael Amadio play. When you watch Michael Matt, like he makes those plays too. Yeah. Not at the same level, not as consistently as Mark Stone, but if there's a puck off the ice through the neutral zone and Michael Amadio's in the vicinity, he's knocking it down. Yeah. Like he is that good of a player in terms of utilizing those skills to turn pucks over and, 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 and go the other way. And so if you have that ability and you have that, that energy level that William Carlson brings to the table, that can truly become a shutdown line in the same way that Carlson playing alongside Riley Smith was last year for the Golden Knights. And I think Paul Cotter, again, has kind of been at his best when it comes to playing alongside William Carlson and Michael Amadio. Carlson makes people around him better. He just does. He's done it all season long. I think there's more ownership in his game, and that leads to the opportunity now that you've got three legitimately deep heavy, skilled, defensive-minded lines that you can roll out there in any situation. So I think going against Carolina, a team that can really test your patience 
and can show you who you are because of how skilled they are, because of how quick they can be in transition and how frustrating they can be to play against because they are so go, go, go on, press, press, press. You need some of that old chemistry, I think, to to know where you're going with the puck, to read into it, to manage the puck well. And I think that that was something, obviously, Bruce Cassidy lamented after the game against Minnesota. It cannot be that same way against Carolina. Otherwise, you're you're, you're right back into a situation where you're losing four or five nothing after two periods. Yeah, that's a team that, that they are very good at exploiting weaknesses. Mm. and well, They just don't give you any time. Well, because, and, and it starts with their coach, who was, was <laughs> uh, you know, he's about as intense of a coach as there is in the NHL, but, yeah. like, I mean, he was he was a really intense player as well. So, um, but they've got, they've got guys that will seriously punish you mm-hmm. if you, if you give them an inch. And it starts with Sebastian Ajo, who I still to this day, feels one of the most underrated players in the league, and maybe because of where he plays, maybe because Carolina hasn't won anything, but... Well, I I, I think it's because they haven't won anything. Like, if, if they win a Stanley Cup, all of a sudden, Sebastian Ajo becomes a household name. Okay, but here's the problem, though. Like, Sebastian Ajo is their best offensive player, right? Yeah. Until the playoffs. Well, and yeah. And that's been kind of the, the, the big question mark with Carolina. There's two issues that they have, right? They don't have enough goal scoring and their goaltending usually turns into a pumpkin. Well, I mean, they don't, they, it, unfortunately for them, Freddie Anderson just can't seem to stay healthy. So there, there's no Jack Eichel to go out and get. There's no Connor Bedard to go out there and get. There's no Austin Matthews to go out there and get. They don't have a tried and true elite high end offensive sniper. Yeah, they, they just don't. They have a they have a a collection of really good mm-hmm. players, but not elite players. And so with Sebastian Ajo, in in terms of whether or not he's underrated or, or not, the biggest issue for Carolina, more than more than anything to me, is like I think they've got enough scoring to win if their goaltending holds up. The problem is their goaltending doesn't hold up, and then all of a sudden you're like, mm, man. They don't have an elite, tried-and-true number one center that can kind of put the team on his back in the postseason and make a big play and score a big goal and win that game 2-1. to one. They just don't. Yeah, they, they, they don't quite have – you're right. They, they don't. Go back to the series that they lost against the Florida Panthers. They were, they were blown off the ice. But they, but they weren't, though. Well, but it you was, look at the, 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 the game. The total goal scored. Was close. but Was ridiculous. But they didn't – they got swept. They did get swept, but it was two to one, one to nothing. Those were the scores in the games. Yeah, well, because in, in games like that, Teravainen, Martin Netches, they just weren't. But my argument is, if you're going to say right that Sebastian Ajo is underrated, we view him as an offensive-minded player. Yeah, you can't lose a series to the Florida Panthers. Only when, scoring a handful when of goals. When you're only scoring four or five goals over a four-game so it, it, it. it was pretty similar to the Golden Knights-King series year 100%. one. 100%. But I, I, would, I would make the argument that there, like, it's not just Sebastian Ajo who, needs to, who needed to step up in that series. I, I agree with you, and here's where it gets really funny. Like, if Carolina gets the goaltending and they win that series, yeah. or 
let's just fast forward a couple of months from now. If Carolina addresses goaltending and then they go deep, they either make a conference final or they make a Stanley Cup final or they win, Sebastian Ajo's numbers and what he does may not change at all, right? Like he might be as productive, not more productive than what he's been to this point in the postseason in his career. But because the goaltending holds up, they're going to go farther. Because the goaltending holds up, they might actually win, and then you start to view him differently, which is really funny when you think about it. Yeah. Now, if memory serves correct, Svechnikov was out for that series, correct? He he was injured? They did have some injuries, yeah. So, so not saying that he puts them over the top and they win the series, but, I mean, he's a, he's a point-of-game guy for them. Mm-hmm. So th- th- it's a pretty big loss, and, and of course, they always have – the love-hate relationship that Brent Burns has with defense where, yeah, it's great that he's, he's going to give you a bunch of points and goals on the power play, but what's the, what's the cost mm-hmm. on the other end? So um, it, it's, they're a team that I really enjoy watching, but you're right. They're tough to watch in the playoffs. I watched them just rip through my New Jersey Devils last year in the playoffs, and it was, it was blowout city. <laughs> the Devils had no shot in that series. Yeah, and again, a team that had goaltending issues, but I think for Carolina, even if they got the goaltending, because they got it in that series against Florida, yeah, they just didn't have the scoring. Like, so then what do they need more? I I I don't know. Like, you look at the roster, and you think they should be good enough to win that series. Like on paper, I would have I, I I would have picked them to win that series against Florida on paper, mm-hmm. because I, I I still was not a, a huge believer that they were that Florida was going to get the great goaltending out of Bobrovsky that they got. I don't know that that's like repeatable for Bobrovsky. Well, Bobrovsky's been good. He's been uh, good. Okay, yeah. all right. Th- these are the scores. Game one, three to two, uh, Florida. Now, who is in net for Carolina? I don't. I don't know. I'm not going to dig. Too, <laughs> I'm not digging too deep into that. Okay, three to two, two to one, one to nothing, four to three. Yeah, they're all one goal games basically. So they scored two, three, six goals in four games. In a West in an Eastern Conference final, six goals in four games. And again, like you make you kind of mention Bobrovsky, like. Golden Knights didn't have any t- have any issues scoring on them. No, and you know, <laughs> and, you... And, the, and the Bruins didn't for three games. Oh, well, it wasn't Bobrovsky. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it was Alex Zion Lyon. There it is. Yeah. So my my point in all of this is, I don't know that Sebastian Ajo is underrated. I think that he you... just needs more to be done in the postseason. Do you think he's rated where he should be? I don't think he's a. I, I don't think he's a top ten player in the league. I don't know. He's not an elite player, but he's he's a guy who. I mean, he's not a superstar. Yeah, he's a very good hockey player. I think he's elite at a lot of things. I don't put him anywhere close to the same designation as even a Jack Eichel. No, I I, I don't think he's as good as Jack Eichel. No, he's not as good as Jack Eichel. He's not in the tier of Austin Matthews or uh, Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid, anything like that. Like. I don't know what tier I'd put him in. I'd put him at like the top of really, really good hockey players. Now the funny, the funny thing is his goals are way down this year. Mm-hmm. 
Like, he had 36 goals, 37 the year before. He's only got 19 through 49 games. But points-wise, he's going to eclipse what he had last year. He's at 57. He only had 67 points last year. Yeah. 81 the year before. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that his goals are down, but he eclipses his career-high point total, or he gets very close. Where would Sebastian Ajo line up if he was a Vegas Golden Knight? He's not. He's not. He's, your, he's, he's not, your top, not. He's not your first line. He's not yeah. your top line center. Yeah. Right. I. 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 I think he would be the second line center on this team. Okay. So where does Sebastian Ajo line up if you're looking at the Florida Panthers? Second line center. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I. I think that's fair. Is he a top line center for the Devils? No, it's Jack no, Hughes. No, definitely not. Yeah, top line center for Chicago. Yeah, yeah well, but maybe not. It is Connor, Connor yeah. Bedard. I mean, look, I, I, the, the I Rangers. Think, I think, he's not. I, th- I think he's a second line center right? on, on on elite teams. You're probably right, and and that's why I don't think he's underrated. I think that's who he is, and so you have a Carolina Hurricanes team trying to win a Stanley Cup. With, with their, a second line, with center, a second as, line as their center, center as their top line center. Yeah, that that's what Sebastian Ajo is. That's what the Carolina Hurricanes are. A second tier team. Well, I think that they're a team that tries to win with like three second lines. Because I, I I look at them and I don't I don't think they're a team that can win the Stanley Cup. You don't think they're contenders? No. Really? I think I think they're. I think they're win a series in the playoffs, okay. maybe two. Yeah. I I I think there's teams in the East that are better. I didn't give them Jake Gensel yesterday, did I? No, no. <laughs> now I'm sitting here thinking I probably should have. Now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, we're we're talking this through in real time, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh man. I mean, I'm I'm looking at their roster right now, and their top two lines are are, are pretty good. Yeah. But Shvechnikov, Teravainen. They're they're not elite. They're good, but they're not elite. Sure. Michael Bunting, good. Martin Netches is good. And then you get down to like, like. Remember the 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 whole thing with Kotkaniemi and the offer sheet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. lining up as their fourth line center, which makes sense to me. Yeah, but like they they went through all that trouble and 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 trolled Montreal and all they really got out of it was a fourth line center. Well. Yeah, but I, like I, I don't have any issues with their centers. Like, so it's Aho, Drury, Stahl, and Kokaniemi. Like, I don't have any issue with that. Yeah, I, like Gasperi, Kokaniemi. We're gonna talk about Nick Waugh in just a couple of minutes. Nick Waugh is infinitely better than Gasperi, Kokaniemi. That's not even close. But I would make the argument that, like, on a good team. Kokaniemi in this spot is situated in the correct place. He's better than a fourth line center. He's probably a third line center on most teams, maybe a second line center on a team where, you know, you're not as deep, you're not as talented, you're not at, at that high end elite threshold, but he's playing lower in the lineup to better maximize his skill set. In the same way that Nick Waugh has done that for years here with the Vegas Golden Knights. Nick Waugh's not a fourth-line center. Nick Waugh plays as a fourth-line center on a team that just won the Stanley Cup. But the problem is Nick Waugh's playing as a fourth-line center because you have a legitimate number one center in Jack Eichel. You have a legitimate number two center in Chandler Stevenson. You have a legitimate 
number two center in William Carlson. Yeah. And then you've got a third-line center or a second-line center on most teams in Nick Waugh lining up as your fourth-line guy. You know, I'm looking at their, their centers, mm-hmm. and I know you said you like them. They're not that deep. Like, Jack Drury is their second-line center. In 52 player. games, he's only got 22 points. <laughs> Still a good play. Like they're not, again, but we just we just went through it. They're they're not a team that's going to put up a ton of points. Yeah, individually, collectively, like they don't let you have the puck. They take away your time and space, and they force the issue on everything. If you can handle that pressure, you can exploit them. Golden Knights did it last season. Yeah, the one game that they played in Carolina, they did not. They no, were that, not well, ready that was, for the pressure. That was a a. That was right after Aiden Hill got hurt. I think that was yeah. the first game Hill got so hurt. They'll, they'll blitz you. And as long yeah. as if you can handle the pressure, if you know where your outlets are, if you know how to kind of deal with that, Bruce Cassidy, I think, after the game was like, you can look at it on video all you want to until you're in it, until you're living it. It's a different type of game you have to play against Carolina. So I'm interested to see on Saturday, like kind of how things go. But boy, oh boy, this is the show of tangents. Yeah. Boy. Sebastian Ajo, not underrated. He's properly rated as a pretty good player in this league. Yeah, no, I think if they win, if they did somehow win the Stanley Cup, I think that completely changes his perception. I would agree with that because he he would, in order for that to happen, he will have had to been the best player for the Carolina Hurricanes. I'd also agree with that. All right, we're gonna dig into Jack Jack Eichel uh, when he returns. And we don't know when that's going to be just yet for the Vegas Golden Knights. But when Jack Eichel returns, has Nick Waugh done enough to keep his spot with Jonathan Marcheseau and Ivan Barbashev? That's coming up next on the VGK Insider Show. VGK Insider Show rolling along here on a Thursday. It's Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman. Everybody, I, I want you to take a moment and just keep Darren Millard in your thoughts. It's been a tough week on Mallard. He's been out dealing with something. So uh, all we can say is we, we look forward to when Mallard's ready to go. Uh, but if you, if you watch the TV broadcast, you, you know that he was feeling it that night. And uh, we wish him nothing but the best. Speedy recovery. Get back soon, Mallard. Um, we miss you on this program, and we know that uh, the hockey fans around the Valley miss your stories uh, quite a bit. So rest up, heal up, feel better. And uh, I'm sure we'll we'll be with you sooner than later. Now, that being said, I do want to take a moment before we get into Nick Waugh, Ivan Barbashev, John of the Marsh, so and what they've done as a trio in 11 games. Before we get into that, I do want to take a moment to talk about Saturday's game. As we just talked about, Spash and Ajo, pretty good player, not underrated. Chris Chapman, that's a win for, for me, not you. Um, I will say this. <laughs> If you're going to the game on Saturday, this is incredibly important. I cannot stress this enough. If you're going to the game on Saturday, you're going to deal with a lot of interruptions in terms of traffic. The I-15 and Tropicana going to be closed. There are road closures. Go to VegasGoldenKnights.com. Like there'll, there'll be information on what to expect, where the closures are going to be, all of that stuff. Seek it out. Trust me, you're going to want to do this. Make sure you have alternate routes. And... Make sure you get to the game early. Here's what's really cool about that. Toshiba Plaza from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday. Dueling pianos. 
There's going to be dueling pianos set up on Toshiba Plaza for those of you that are going to the game, that are trying to do the right thing, that are trying to beat the traffic, that are looking at alternate routes of how to get there and when to arrive and all that stuff. We said, arrive early, stay late. Now you've got a reason to arrive early. There will be dueling pianos, and I'm, I'm sorry, like nothing could be better than dueling pianos. I love that stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I'm going to date myself here, but I think one of, one of my, my favorite movie scenes is, and it's, it's really old and I'm sure you've seen the movie, but who framed Roger Rabbit uh-huh. and you have Daffy Duck and Donald <laughs> Duck on stage in the nightclub yeah. dueling pianos. Like you cannot get any better than that for two iconic television characters, mm-hmm. movie characters in yeah. one scene at one time. But yeah. Dueling pianos are, are, are really cool. I used to go to the uh, – there used to be a piano bar at Town Square. Okay, yeah. Unfortunately closed. Yeah. But that was cool. Like you go in there on a Friday night with some friends, you have some drinks, and you sit there and you listen to these two guys banter back and forth. Yeah. Like dueling pianos is almost a bit like hockey because you've got so much chirping on you, on, on the stage. You do. Um, not quite to the level of Ralph Macchio and Steve Vai in Crossroads. But <laughs> Wow. I'm telling you. But it will get you where you need to go. And yeah, I'm who just knew saying, the Karate listen, Kid could play, could, could 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 smash. Have you ever Have you ever watched the videos where like they actually dub in what he's doing? No, no, I haven't seen. Was they, oh, are they on like it's, YouTube? It's so bad. It's really so, yeah. Like, listen, I give Ralph Macchio a lot of credit for like trying to appear as if he can play guitar. Uh, but there there have been like multiple videos where actual musicians are looking at what he's doing. Yeah, and then they dub in what actually would have been coming out of his guitar. It's it's horrendous. Don't do it to yourself. Like keep the illusion in your mind that I'm, he knows what he's doing. I'm trying to remember. Was it Eddie and the Cruisers who were the the big band? They they had the big hit single from, or was it John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band? Maybe they I, were. I couldn't tell you. Now I, I have to look up the the, the well. The, that that'll the keep that'll keep you busy for a while. <laughs> but again, as I cannot stress this enough, get to the game early. You now have something to do on Toshiba Plaza, dueling dueling pianos from four to six p.m. Vegas Golden Knights organization, they think of everything. And then the doors will open at 6 o'clock for the 7.30 puck drop. And then one other thing, obviously, I just mentioned it. It's a 7.30 puck drop. So plan accordingly, plan ahead, make sure that you're ready to go, and trust us, there will be traffic. You do not want to stress out going into that game against Carolina. Okay, so that being said, I want to just throw some numbers at you, Chris Chapman. I know you're diligently looking up which band had the big hit from that movie? I forgot Jamie Gertz was in that movie. She is in that movie. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Steve Vai. Oh, he was so good. Yeah, but see, I, I always think of Lost Boys Jamie Gertz. Yeah, well, come on, Michael. <laughs> You're one of us, Michael. Yeah. Come on, Michael. Good stuff. Good it, times. No one knows what we're talking about. No, here. you know what? There's there's people our age who probably who probably know who Jamie Gertz is. By the way, she's co-owner of the Atlanta Hawks. Can you really? That? Yeah. No way. Yeah. I found that out one year when they were doing the lottery draft because the Hawks are always in it because they're so bad. Sure. And she's always the one there holding up the... Okay, here's here's one one thing on the Lost Boys, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get like too bogged down into this because it's so campy and ridiculous. It's it's a brilliantly awful movie. That's good. I like it. It's a, a brilliantly awful. Yeah, like, it is, it is amazing for how bad it is, but how timeless it is. It's a cult classic if there ever was one. Like, listen, I enjoy The Lost Boys. I think it's amazing. For the people that are mad about Taylor Swift 
being shown on TV during the Super Bowl. For the people that are like, oh my gosh, that's such a crazy drinking game. Like, I wouldn't be able to stand up if, if I took a shot every single time I saw Taylor Swift oh, at the I Super Bowl. Oh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> if you think that was bad, watch the Lost Boys. <laughs> And take notice of how many times the word Michael is said in that movie. By Kiefer Sutherland alone. (laughs) It's like, okay, the movie's like 78 minutes running time. And I think he says Michael like 154 times. No, no, no. I I, I don't know that it's all that much. Like, I think think the word Michael might might have been said like 62 times. So nearly... A Michael a minute. 114 times. No, I just you're, are you it. serious? Yes. yes. It's worse than I thought it was. 114 times, according One, to Neon Splatter. Yeah. 114 times. In a 97 okay. minute movie. So 97 minutes. <laughs> One every 1.8 minutes. <laughs> oh. Again, for those of you that were upset about Taylor Swift and her screen time. 114 times in 97 minutes? Okay, listen, we're going to do Nick Wobb and Ivan Barbashev and Jonathan Marcheseau in, in, in a little bit. I, I, I got to ask you this. Is Lost Boys the best vampire movie? Go. It is for me <laughs> um, because I'm not a big horror movie genre guy like i watched one of the twilight movies and i thought it was terrible you watched the twilight movie i I had a girlfriend at the time who was who was into whatever the the boy's name who who plays the the main character edward yeah but what's the what's the actor's name oh robert pattinson yeah that guy yeah she liked him she liked him yeah she she was she was team edward i guess yeah i mean well there's a there's a jacob we that's that's we, the werewolf guy. We didn't date long enough for me to find out which team she was on. Only, really? only that she wanted me to see the movie with her. And well, if she liked Robert Pattinson, I'm sure that she was uh, Team Edward. Team Edward. Yeah. Guy. So so Girl. we saw that movie. Actually, we saw it in the movie theater. Really? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You're but fascinating. Listen, I I am a hopeless. I was a hopeless romantic. Um, basically, any anything. You're, you're married now. Just say I, that you are. I am married. Yeah. So, so yes. And my 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 current wife has no interest in Twilight or vampire movies. But mm-hmm. I like the Lost Boys. You know what was really good when I was a kid? Interview with a Vampire was it's really good. good. Yeah. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula was really good. But I feel like as far as watchability and me being able to watch it over many times, like I probably watch Lost Boys twice a year. Okay. I used uh, to have a poster on my wall. In yeah, the no, I know, I know. I listen. I like the Lost Boys. I would put it right into that category of my favorite vampire movies. Like Interview with the Vampire is good. Uh, Dracula's perfectly fine. Um, I just think Lost Boys is funny. Like, um, and and to be fair, like the fact that Corey Feldman's in it, like. Yeah, I'm all in on that too. Well, like, the grand the grandfather to me is maybe the most underrated character in the movie because he <laughs> he's got the 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 line at the end of the movie. You know, if there was something I just couldn't stand about Santa Carla, it's all those <laughs> damn vampires. <laughs> like that is the line that yeah. you remember yeah. from the movie because yeah. that's the like basically the final line of the movie, and he pops open a little bottle of of, of pop and he's good to go. But like. There, 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 there's, there's so many good characters in that movie, like, and and how many movies, how many vampires move, how many vampire movies gave us saxophone guy? Oh, dude, 
Like, <laughs> this, the, if you've never watched The Lost Boys and you tune into this movie, the first five minutes, you're like, what is going on? You open with a door song. And it, and then and then you've got saxophone guy and the and the fire at the beach. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But OK, so so the first time I ever saw Lost Boys, like it, it, it was a while ago, obviously. Uh, but there was kind of a like a like a marathon. Of really campy, ridiculous um, horror movies, and like I wouldn't put Lost Boys in that realm. Like campy, yes, horror movie, no. But have you ever heard of the stuff? The movie, the stuff, the stuff. Yeah, I don't it's, think so. It's like this this treat. It's like this fluff, like marshmallow fluff that you eat and then it kills you. Oh, That's, the, it's literally the movie. Like the the stuff gets you. <laughs> The stuff, and then it, there's there's another movie about like a killer tire, like a, kill- a like like a spare tire that that finds you and kills you. See, I hear I was thinking you were about to go down the the path of uh, killer clowns from outer space. No, no, no. Which which is maybe the worst best horror movie ever. Oh yeah, no, it's called it's called Rubber. Rubber. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> it's a spare tire that hunts you down and kills you. Oh God! You know, you know what? Speaking of horror movies, I, I, I have gotten as I've gotten older, I've gotten more and more into classic movies. Yeah. And this year at Halloween, I finally decided to watch the original Frankenstein. Okay. Which, like, the classic version. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it, I mean, not actually like, oh, surprise! A classic movie is really good. No, it was, it was really good. Like, I enjoyed it. What I did not know is, and spoiler alert: the movie came out in the '30s. So if you're unaware of what happens mm-hmm. i'm going to spoil it for you yep. there's a scene where frankenstein throws like a seven-year-old girl into a lake oh wow and i did not know that that was happening okay by the way cody mundy chimes in robert the tire is one of the best villains in movie history i guess the spare tire has a name <laughs> yeah th- this is this is legit like honestly this is the entire synopsis of the movie and it's the truth <laughs> A car tire comes to life with the power to make people explode and goes on a murderous rampage through the California desert. Well, don't be hanging out in uh, in needles anytime soon. That is rubber. Right there. (laughs) And the tire's name is Robert. It's it's actually, it's got a better rating on Rotten Tomatoes than the stuff. (laughs) The stuff. So there you go. Oh, God. The stuff. Like, there were so many cheesy, crappy horror movies that came out in the 80s, like Critters. Did you ever see Critters? I did not. Oh, man. It's like these weird little, like, porcupine things that come down from outer space. And their weapon is they shoot their their needles into people's necks. Yeah. How did we get here? (laughs) Dueling pianos. Mike Lawrence. Mike, that's Mike who phones in all the time. Yeah. I write a column for a movie critic Facebook group, and I have called Rubber the worst movie ever made. Good call. Okay, here's the thing. (laughs) When I brought rubber to the table here, I just assumed Mike had something to say about it. I just assumed that this was like a moment for Mike to be like, I know this. <laughs> All right, we've gone off the rails. We're going to try to get things back in the break. Uh, more of the VGK Insider Show rolling along here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show is right around the corner, and I promise you, I promise you, I've got a lot of stats. No Tyler Bischoff here, but I do have... A lot of statistics about Nick Waugh, what he's done playing alongside Ivan Barbashev and Jonathan Marcheseau, and what Marcheseau and Barbashev have done playing with Nick Waugh, and whether or not 
that means that Nick's done enough to stay in that spot. Now, listen, there's a lot of time between now and whenever Jack Eichel gets back into the fold, and we'll kind of assess things as they go between now and then. But right now in this moment, like if Jack Eichel was available to go tomorrow, I don't know that I'm moving Nick Waugh from where he is with Ivan Barbashev and Jonathan Marshall. So we'll get to that plus one-timers. That's all coming up in hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. I can report, not that it's like breaking news or anything, but I can report that Chris Chapman has watched the trailer for Rubber. Are you going to watch the full movie? It looks like the worst movie ever made. Yeah, therefore, therefore, I should probably find a way to watch it. Yes. Just so I can. And it's streaming. So for those of you who are wondering. Yeah. It is streaming. You can search and find where it's streaming. Number of places. Yeah, yeah. So it can't be that bad. No, it can be. <laughs> Trust me, Chapman, it can be that bad. Just because it's available doesn't mean you have to watch it. But you should. Yeah. Oh, God. Hour number two, rolling along here on the VGK Insider Show.